Sports Pan lives here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday afternoon. And because it's Wednesday, the ABC 10 sports guys are generally here. We have one today. We should just call this ABC 10 Wednesday, right, John Michael? Hopefully, Yeah, absolutely. That's a good name for I, it. I'd absolutely love that. It makes up for all the times you show up on Channel 3. and <laughs> well, they they, You have to talk about thing. it uh, in front of me. <laughs> well, they invite me to be on there as a yeah, guest. Well, as a thing. Step your game up. We, we thought about it. We thought about it. Oh, you thought about it. No, okay. So we were going to, but then the big man upstairs was like, no, 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 no. no. We the were going to have... God? We wanted to ask you... Yeah, maybe? I don't know. He kind of is. He's <laughs> kind of our god um we were going to ask you to do a friday night frenzy with us uh but the big man said hey that's kind of our thing we don't want to like throw in an espn representative well the thing is i'm always with westwood friday nights yeah well well that's the thing like that like our friday night frenzies don't finish until don't start until 11 so most times I'm not getting home until 11. Really? <laughs> I've got work to do afterwards. Well, Westwood, well, our station is in between Westwood and here, so if you're not That's getting true. home till 11, you can make it with like five minutes to spare. Yeah, you'll think about it next time, and then, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do this ABC <laughs> no, we, 10 Wednesday me, thing. Trust me, we wanted to. We wanted to, but uh, <laughs> they were like, we, we want to keep it. They said we want to keep it an ABC 10 thing. I tell you what, Tyree Smith generally is here. He had other obligations he has to take care of today. We're still going to have a good show, and we have a lot to get into. We've got three LDS Game 5s. We've got a list of football head coaches that I want to give to you. I want to give to Michael. Is there anyone who could be a more attractive name for a head coaching vacancy than Lincoln Riley? I've got a few maybes, and one I think is a definite yes if he's available. And redrafting. One of the most loaded running back classes the NFL has ever seen. We're going to do all that and more over the course of this show. I want to start with this, though. Mike, congratulations to you and your 49ers. A 4-0 start to the season. That being said, I'm really mad at Richard Sherman right now. Anyone who listened to yesterday's show knows that I went off on Baker Mayfield. And part of that rant included criticism of him for refusing to shake Richard Sherman's hand during pregame warm-ups on Monday Night Football this week. After I got off the air, I checked social media and saw there are videos now debunking Sherman's claim that Baker refused to shake hands with him and that he made the whole thing up. So I did know that for about the last 23 hours or now, and I've wanted to get back on here and address that because I've had people say, you know, this is fake, right? I didn't at the time I was on air. I do now. I don't know why Richard would do that. Why spread those fake news, fake rumors, what have you? Ah, <laughs> oh, man, Richard. I mean, why, why would you do that? What do you have to benefit so, from that? I've seen a lot of things about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on Pat McAfee's show and sort of talked about it, and he says that it didn't happen until the very end, or he felt the disrespect. He said that the part of that interview, which unfortunately we can't hear the whole thing of, he said that that part of the interview is sort of taken out of context. He says that he does. He says that in the heat of the moment, he didn't remember it happening the way that the cameras saw it happening, or whatever. Mm. Right? It sounds a little fishy to me too. So I'm not sure. I think that he definitely didn't have a respect for Baker Mayfield before mm. this game. And I think that maybe any sort of... And I think that that... What's the word? Impression of him mm-hmm. heading into the game sort of played with what he thought about it during the game. I feel like so many teams just hated all the hype that the Browns were getting. Like, they had so much hype oh, for not yeah. doing much, and they take so much pleasure in embarrassing them. Like Delaney Walker, Titans tight end after week one. We are who they thought they were. 
Richard Sherman. I understand why Bosa was doing his thing with Baker. That goes back to college when they played against each other in that rivalry we talked about yesterday. But I think teams I are just that, genuinely happy about embarrassing the Browns. It, it, they got to be, man. There was a people thought that they were going to be America's team this year. Do you know how angry that made Cowboys fans? <laughs> but I, I don't understand the whole Bosa planting the flag thing. Well, it goes back to when they were in college and Baker went to Ohio State as an Oklahoma Sooner and beat the Buckeyes and planted the Sooner flag at midfield. Yeah, except, you know what, we we weren't in Cleveland. <laughs> they, they were in San Francisco. Yeah, but were, if they got the chance to play him wherever, they could have done it at a neutral site and he would have had the chance to do that. He just wanted a chance to get back at him for doing something like that. I don't know, man. Seemed a little early for me. Wait uh, four years or wait till the Super Bowl or whatever. He's a guy on your team. You should be excited about this. I, I, like, I'm excited about it, but just come on. Like, you're planting a flag in your own thing. That's like if Christopher Columbus sailed in a couple circles and went back and claimed, claimed Portugal for Portugal. <laughs> You're like, I bet there's oh, some well. parts of Portugal he'd like. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, probably. Like if I could go out and claim somewhere in Marquette just for my very own, I'd do it. Hey, wherever you're standing, that's your very own. <laughs> well, I've got my place I've claimed for my very own. I'd go wave an imaginary flag and plant it in my living room, but no. you know, what would that do but for you, me? But you wouldn't do a real flag? What would your flag be? What would my flag be? Um, the United States flag just with your face instead of the stars? No, I feel like that'd be disrespectful. Okay, fair enough. What about one of those play-like-a-champion flags? Mm, okay, I yeah, can see that. i do something like that. That'd be cool. I've got an actual sign at my place. You've been there. You've seen yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. know, when I slap the sign on my way out the door to get yep, me he ready does. for the day. He, he really does, guys. <laughs> I tell you what, your 49ers are 4-0, and they've got a big one this weekend with the Rams. I tell you what, this is an amazing stat. Why I'm excited for this one. This weekend will be the first time that the Rams and 49ers have met up with both having winning records entering the game since 2001. That's kind of cool. 18 years ago was the last time both teams had a winning record when they played each other. Quarterback matchup in that game, Kurt Warner outdueled Jeff Garcia. That's a good matchup. How about that? That was a good one. Did the Rams win the Super Bowl that year? Yes. That, yeah, I think so. That was the greatest show on turf. Yes. Dick Vermeil and those guys. How about that? And that's not even our stat of the day. What's the stat of the day? Uh, I've got a bigger one, but I'm saving it for okay. when we talk about baseball. We talk about game fives because it's a baseball stat. Yeah. Which, by the way, I should point this out, a programming note. Once we sign off here, we're going to go out to Atlanta for Game 5 of the Cardinals and Braves, a winner-take-all Game 5. And then 8.37 tonight, we'll get you out to L.A. Chavez Ravine for the Nationals and Dodgers. Both games are heard here in ESPN-UP. Dodgers might lose tonight. I hope so. Strasburg? I mean, Strasburg is pitching maybe at his postseason best right but now. But so is Walker Buehler. So. Yeah, but I still like Strasburg's upside a little bit better than Walker Buehler. Well, Strasburg has more of a track record than Buehler does, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going into a lot of people's thoughts about it. But from what I've seen from Walker Buehler, he's going to be a genuine... He's being mentored by Clayton Kershaw, Hyunjin Ryu's on there to help him out as well. He's going to be a legitimate scion candidate for years to come from this and point And he on. will, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but I just like Strasburg a little bit better. Yep, and in winner-take-all matchups, what's the only thing that matters? Mm-hmm. Pitching. Pitching? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. I love this. You know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself with baseball and what have you. I, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that more when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we've got a few other things that I want to get to. Uh, while your 49ers are off to a great start at 4-0, your Sharks are not at 0-4. Yeah, it's the worst start, I think, since the 90s. Could be. And it's weird because the, the Sharks have always been a team that like starts off super strong. They've started off years 3-0, 4-0. Even one time I think it was like 8-0 at one mm-hmm. point. And then this year, 
Man, like, okay, the Golden Knights, I get it. They wanted revenge and whatnot. But then you lose to the Ducks, and then you lose to the Preds, who lost, like, arguably their best defender. Like, Ducks just beat the Red Wings the other night. That was their first loss. Yeah, I know, man. I don't like, I think the Ducks were an underrated team last year, but they lost Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are a lot of things wrong with this. Maybe it's the absence of Joe Pavelski. Maybe it's the absence of that leadership, but... Something's up. Obviously, you know my opinions on Martin Jones. I, I yeah. don't like him at all. No. But something's up. There's no offense. He reminds me of Jared Goff. Like, Martin Jones is the Jared Goff of the NHL. He's good because of his supporting cast and his coaching. That, no joke. When I was <laughs> when you and I were with the Northwoods League mm-hmm. uh, last year, I one of our one of our one of my coworkers was Steve Morawski. Now you never saw him because he wasn't on air, but he helped us out tremendously with like making stuff for the show. And then he mm-hmm. left. He left midway through the season for a newspaper job in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. and I think he's still there. And he told me we because he was a huge NHL fan, huge NHL fan. And he told me he said Martin Jones isn't good. He gets benefited a lot by Mark Edward Vlasic, Brent Burns, and this year Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Man, come on. <laughs> you sounded silly right now. And ever since that, I have just been eating my hands uh, because he's been so, so right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's shown more the last two years with his save percentage really being down and what whatnot and his goals against average increasing over the last two years. But golly, it's so bad right now, and I hate to see it. Imagine if he didn't have one of the best defensive cores ever assembled in front of him. And he's had that throughout like the course of his career. He's yeah. had Brett Burns for pretty much his well, whole career. E- even before he was in San Jose, when Jonathan Quick went down and Martin Jones sort of shined for that one year in Los Angeles, he had that entire defense of Drew Doughty and mm-hmm. um, one of the Browns, not Dustin, but the other one. And that was a pretty good defensive core, too. And that was back when Drew Doughty was considered a frontrunner for the Norris Trophy every single year. So... Yeah, everywhere he's gone, he's had a good defense. So I think that that sort of sh- shrouded people's judgment, made him an all-star for two years, and now we're seeing the real Jones. Well, I tell you what, before we hit the break, I've got a problem that you can help me with, and okay. that relates to our pick Because here's my formula. He's laughing. He's laughing. Okay, see, this is the thing. Mike knows how much I respect him as a sports mind. I mean, Thank you. You, you. You're knowledgeable. You know what you're talking about. But predictions are tougher for you. <laughs> I mean, I got the, I got the, I'm going to ride off the Brewers and Nationals for, for a long time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> like, by all logic, it was perfectly summed up last Thursday night when Greg Zerline, one of the most reliable kickers in football, missed a very makeable field goal that would have given the Rams a victory. And that's who you picked. Mm-hmm. And by all logic, you should have been right. Yeah. Like, that just kind of sums up. Because you, you haven't been too far off in a lot of these. Oh well, G- Giants Redskins. Giants Redskins. Yeah, I was okay. pretty. I was pretty far <laughs> off on that one. So I tell you what, as it relates to pick 'em, our formula has always been: we pick five games, the three primetime games, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and then the two games we cover on ESPN UP on Sunday, the early game and the late game. With baseball, we are only covering one NFL game on Sunday. So that means I've got four based on our formula, four games right now. So what should be my fifth game? That's what I'm trying to decide right Niners, now. Niners-Rams. Niners-Rams could be one. That could be one. That'd be a very good pick because I honestly don't know who I'd pick at this point. <laughs> like, everything about it says Rams are the better team, right? Mm-hmm. Are they playing in Los Angeles? I haven't actually checked that. I haven't checked it either. I don't know where they are, but that, that could you, be one. You know what's bothering me mm-hmm. is 
I'm not a gambling man. Mm. I do occasionally, uh, I do occasionally jump in, but I'm not a gambling man. Mm. But the fact that the Browns are one point underdogs to the Seattle Seahawks is embarrassing. <laughs> if I were, if if I was a betting man and I was down, I'd head down to the island, the Island Resort and Casino, and boy, oh boy. <laughs> I'd put some stuff on that. <laughs> the games that we could pick from, these are the four late games because the early game is the one that we're covering on ESPN-UP. We can pick Atlanta, Arizona, San Fran at L.A., so it is in L.A., mm-hmm. Tennessee at Denver, or Dallas visiting the Jets. No joke. I think all of those are pretty good games. except Cowboys-Jets. Except Cowboys-Jets, yeah. <laughs> Titans-Broncos, I don't know about that one. Well, it may not be a fun the, one. The Titans are... All, the Titans are a weird team, man. They always mm-hmm. seem to beat teams that they shouldn't, and then they lose to teams that they should. I picked up the Broncos' defense in fantasy this week just because they're playing the Titans' I offense. don't get it, man. Like, Derrick Henry has been a monster. Like, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown will go off for however many touchdowns and yards one week, and then the next thing you know, oh my gosh, Minshew Mania <laughs> destroys them 20-7. to 7. Well, like, he destroys everybody, in yeah, all that, fairness. Yeah, that's true. Because he's true. the greatest quarterback if he ever had, lived. If he had five more minutes, he would have won that game last week. <laughs> Atlanta, Arizona might be close. I don't know if it'll be a good one. So let's do Rams 49ers on Sunday. Those will be our five games we're picking. Thursday night football tomorrow. We've got the Giants and their skeleton crew going into Foxborough. Is anybody going to take them to beat the Patriots this week? They don't even have Eli Manning. How can you pick? How can you pick the Giants over the Pats without Eli Manning? They should start Eli just for this game. No joke. If they go down early, do you think they'll consider putting him in? Maybe. I think that'd be a. I think that'd be a big storyline. It'd be yeah. I think I, I, nothing to lose. Well worth the memes. <laughs> We're both taking New England in this one, right? Yep. I think everybody is. How about Seattle at Cleveland on Sunday? You can hear it here in ESPN UP. I'm picking Seattle to win on the road. I'm picking Seattle to win on the road by 15. Really? Yep. All right. I like Cleveland's it. Cleveland's a one point underdog. How is Cleveland a one point <laughs> underdog? They should be at least a, like a five point underdog. We've got San Fran at LA taking on the Rams. That's the one, man. That's a That's the one, man. Like, I'm trying to look at the matchups, right? What's mm-hmm. what the, the secondary for Los Angeles has been their biggest problem right now. Mm-hmm. So it's do I trust Jimmy Garoppolo and that, albeit deep, but very young and inexperienced and unproven wide receiver core? Mm-hmm. Not really. No. Not, like, Marcus Peters, he's been getting burned this year. Keep Tlaib has lost a step, but they're still experienced. Yep. So, honestly, I think that... Cooper Cup's going to have a big day out of the slot. I'm expecting a big day out of him. So I think that the Rams will take that one. Rams at home, I think I'm going to do that as well. And here's the thing. They I think it'll be close, away. though. I, I do, too. I think this one could go either way. But here's the thing for me. The Rams can still win, even if Jimmy Garoppolo, excuse me, Jared Goff doesn't put up Pro Bowl numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't think the 49ers can. Not in a game like this. You're talking about if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't put off? Put up Pro Bowl he's going to have to against a team like this because okay. this will be their toughest game of the year. I do think he's going to have to ball out in this game, and maybe he will. Maybe he will. Yeah, well, like I said, their secondary has been having problems. Their pass rush isn't what it used to be, especially without Ndamukong Su. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Aaron Donald has a single sack this year. Well, that's because he's triple teamed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he does have one. He got one last year. He got week. one? Okay, mm-hmm. thank goodness. All right, all is right in the world. You know, people will look at that and say, Aaron Donald's numbers must be down, but he always has three guys yeah. hanging Well, it's the same stuff. thing that I'm thinking like with Devontae Adams. Like, mm-hmm. you and I have had our disagreements on Devontae Adams mm-hmm. or whatever, but even during that first week against Chicago, you, you, you watch the video and he's getting triple teamed, double teamed, whatever, mm-hmm. and that's really opened the door for MVS, Jimmy Graham, and Geronimo Allison, who yep. have had like maybe, like who've actually gotten into the end zone this year. 
We've got Sunday night football. The Steelers go to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, I think I'll go with the Chargers. Hesitantly. Taking a third string, you're going to take a third string quarterback over a two and three team that was <laughs> ten and six last year, or no, twelve and four last year. Chargers have been disappointing, but not this disappointing to pick mm-hmm. Devlin Hodges to go in there and get the win. Do expect a big day out of James Conner though, because okay. they they are out Jalen Samuels, they're out their first two quarterbacks. What else are they going to do? He's going to run it seventy times. We've got Monday Night Football Lions at Packers. That'll be a fun one being up here. It's at Lambeau. I'm going with Green Bay. Coming off a win at Jerry World. Now, I know they're good at Jerry World. They should just move to Dallas and play their games there, <laughs> play all their home games there. But they're at Lambeau coming off a big win. i got to go with the Packers in this one. All right. I am last place in Pick'em, right? <laughs> so, in order to build some ground, I need to start saying some things that maybe aren't exactly correct. You doing hot takes? Really? Hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let me clear my throat for this one because you know how I feel about the Packers. They're one of my top five teams right now. Mm-hmm. But the Detroit Lions and Kenny Galladay and Carrion Johnson are going to go into Lambeau and do something so unspeakable, which is win an NFC North matchup in Lambeau. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm going to love to see it. Like I like the, what the Packers are bringing to the table. I think it'll be a close one, but golly, I need to do something to get this right. And if there's one matchup I like more than anything else right now, it's picking the Detroit Lions over the Green Bay Packers. I wish we were TV so the audience could see you make that pick. They could physically see the they emotion. They could see all the thoughts running through my head, where it's like, gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. But by all by all logic, the Packers should win that game. Well, the Lions have had the Packers number the last few years. Okay, all right, yeah, that's why I picked it, guys. That's <laughs> that, 100%. That's the logical reason. Yep, yep. I tell you what, let's take a timeout, allow Michael's face to return to normal color, <laughs> and we'll talk about baseball coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Micah, Hoefling with you. Glad you're along. We have got three Game 5s in the LDS, and we've got two of them tonight with the Cardinals taking on the Braves, then the Nationals visit the Dodgers. Both the games are available here on ESPN-UP. These are going to be fun, man. Mm-hmm. That that game four between Atlanta and St. Louis went back and forth. It finally ended in walk-off fashion. We could literally see the Braves and Dodgers, the two teams that everybody had penciled in the NLCS since, like, July. Yeah. We could see them both lose tonight and have a Nationals-Cardinals oh, gosh, NLCS. I'm pra- <laughs> I want the Braves more than the Cardinals, but I'm not going to bet against the Cardinals. You yeah. know their history with... Walking off and do or die games, other than the San Francisco Giants, go Giants, but uh, their history, the whole David Freeze situation, just what mm-hmm. they've been able to do. They have two, they have like, the, no, they only have one this series, but walk off win. Mm-hmm. But even that game one was very late success by Marcelo Zuna, Colton Wong, really just coming through late. So they have a lot of late inning success. I don't trust that bullpen for uh, Atlanta. As much as I'd like to. Yep. So I'm going to go with St. Louis. All right. I I don't hate that because Atlanta's bullpen has been so home run prone that they need this to be a high scoring game. St. Louis needs this to be a pitcher's duel. Their bullpen was such a problem, they took on the full contract of Mark Melanson. (laughs) That's how you know. That's how you know, folks. 
Why would they do that? It, I don't it know. It makes sense. Like it San made me Fran, so happy. They were trying to unload him so bad, and Atlanta's just like, what the heck? No joke. Before, so my entire family is Giants fans, and mm-hmm. we talk about the Giants a lot. Before the trade deadline, I said. It'd be a dream scenario if somebody took Melanson and took his full contract. I didn't actually think it had happened. Because mm-hmm. by all means, you shouldn't do that. Like, the Giants wanted to unload him. If you could, you could probably have got... The, the Braves could have probably gotten him and been like, Hey, Giants, we're going to pay 30% of his contract. And the Giants would have been like, go for it. Do that. <laughs> like, 100%. But, yeah, that was just poor... Poor GM work there on Atlanta's part. They did a really bad job at the trade deadline when it comes to relief pitchers. Like Shane Green was the best one they got back. And I don't know if it's just we don't hear about him as much because he's not in Detroit anymore. But he's not standing out like he used to. I think he was hurt for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he was. But still, I mean, they brought in Chris Martin, who's been absolutely home run prone. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot going in the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, and that's that's what bothers me with this one. Because how long, who's their starter for tonight? Fultonevich. Okay, I do trust Fulte a lot, mm-hmm. but if Fulte gets... And it's the same thing I thought with um, with the Nationals and Brewers. It's mm-hmm. just like the Nationals have Strasburg and Patrick Corbin to fall back on if Max Scherzer doesn't do well. But over a five-game series, your starting pitchers are hurt. like Or not hurt, but tired. Mm-hmm. They're worn out from the previous game. So who can you actually trust? Who are you going to bring in after Fulte? I don't know, and it's Luke Jackson. It, I, I guess, like, <laughs> I, I just don't trust it enough. They're gonna have to bridge starting pitching, probably. Like, you gotta lay it all out of the line in a winner take all game five. Yeah, you have to, uh, and I like that. That's mm-hmm. what the playoffs need. That's what the playoffs needs more of. One of my favorite things was that Indians uh, Cubs game seven. Yeah, where they used thirteen pitchers. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. Like, I hate all the TV breaks, but mm-hmm. just. Like, you, you can't be a fan of, like, math or a fan of numbers and not look at that and smile, man. Who's a fan of math? Me. Oh, that's right. You taught me what an asymptote is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about tonight? We've got Dodgers, Nationals. We talked about the pitching matchup a little bit. Strasburg, Bueller. Both are elite, mm-hmm. but I do like Strasburg a little bit better. That being said, I like, obviously, the Dodgers' offense better. Again, though, both really? are really good. Really? You like the you like the Dodgers' offense better? Yeah. Really, I really like uh, Washington's lineup. And I do. I really do, too. But I like the Dodgers just a little better. Mm, okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think Rendon is the best player uh, on either team right now. Over Bellinger? Yeah. I, I would rather have Rendon over Are Bellinger. Are you saying that as a Giants fan? No, 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 no. Okay. I, I honestly, prom- like, if I had an MVP vote, which, by the way, guys, come on. It's about time now. <laughs> uh, if I had an MVP vote. Rendon is ahead of Bellinger in every statistical category except home runs. Mm-hmm. How is that not your pick for MVP? <laughs> He'll be in the conversation, but he's not going to win it. I, I would I would 100% vote for Rendon. I would, in fact, just strictly by the stats that I've seen, he leads in OPS, leads in war, leads in defensive run save, leads in batting average, leads in everything, extra base hits, but not home runs. Mm-hmm. RBIs, he's yeah. ahead. Every single thing. Why? Like, what is... Okay, well, you tell me then, because you don't think he's going to win. What is the edge that Bellinger has? I'm not saying that he shouldn't win or he doesn't deserve to do it. Just the way that the voters are going to vote or tend to vote in the past makes me think it's going to be Bellinger. I don't know, man. For me, it's, I've always seen it as the guy who really comes on strong, and especially if the Nationals win tonight, mm-hmm. who led his team farther in the playoffs. Right. 
I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen. He'll get some votes, but I don't think he's going to beat out Bellinger for MVP. Man, I really hope he does. And not even as a Giants fan. I don't mind Bellinger. He's done nothing wrong. So what is your biggest reason for picking, or I, I don't know if you're picking, but you want Washington to win tonight. Yeah. Is it well, because... Be the absence of Bryce Harper, obviously. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> was it either your Giants fandom that you just don't want to see the Dodgers advance, or the Nationals going farther than they ever did with Bryce Harper? Well, it's part of both, right? It, like, if we're talking strict fandom, right, that's why. But if we're talking straight numbers, I still want to pick Washington because Walker Buehler has never had to face a do-or-die situation thus far in his career. So I don't know how the pressure is going to get to him on that. Yeah, Strasburg has a little more wear on his tires so far through the playoffs, but I still think he's a little more restrained, a little more controlled in these types of situations, a little more proven in these situations. So I really want to pick the Nationals here. As I said, I like their lineup a little bit better. Juan Soto has been so, so clutch mm-hmm. so far this year. I really like Victor Robles. I like Michael Taylor. And even Howie Kendrick, like, yeah, which I think is the still we- got it. Yeah, which I think is the weakest part of that lineup, besides maybe Kurt Suzuki. But who, who name one team other than the Phillies where their weakest position isn't catcher. So. Yeah. so other than Kurt Suzuki and Howie Kendrick, I think it's a very, very, very solid lineup. And if if Steven Strasburg lasts six innings, mm. they're winning this game. All right. I like that. In the ALDS, I'm conflicted because I like the Rays story. Like, I'm kind of jumping on the Rays bandwagon, but kind of not because I love how they're the lowest paid team in baseball and they're one game away from mm-hmm. being part of the Final Four. Yet, I know if they beat Houston... That guarantees the Yankees a spot in the World Series, and I don't want that. Does it? Because you and I both sort of had the same ideas for Houston. Like, I straight up was so high on Houston. You know what? I, I, I don't know if I said this on your show, but mm-hmm. I said that Houston wouldn't lose a single game this entire postseason. That's how good I thought they were. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the Rays have been able to take two, I think just shows how good and how clutch they've been and how good that managing style has been. So... I don't know, man. I don't know if it guarantees a spot. I mean, the Rays won the season series with the Yankees, too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. Uh, history says that the Rays are going to move on and beat Houston tomorrow night in Houston. So does every sports movie ever. Well, the thing is, and what I say when I, when I mean uh, that history is on the Rays' side, tomorrow will be the 17th time ever that a team comes back from a 2-0 series deficit to force a winner-take-all Game 5. Of the previous 16 teams, 10 went on to win that winner-take-all Game 5. So teams that were down 0-2 in a series have come back 10 times out of 16 to win it. Okay. But those teams have never faced Garrett Cole. Yeah, Garrett Cole's kind of a stud. <laughs> like, okay, so I for the same reason I want to pick the Rays, mm-hmm. lowest payroll in baseball, I want to see that team win. It's the same reason why, even though I'm a Giants fan, I still love the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Because low payroll, I love the movie Moneyball, one yeah. of my favorite sports movies of all time. Um, but Justin Verlander is my favorite player, not on the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. He deserves a Cy Young, man. Give him a Cy Young. Come on. He should have wrapped it up last night. He got uh, shellacked he last night. Yeah, yeah, he did. And everybody has our bad days, right? Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. But they mean more when they come in the playoffs. Yep, yep, yep. And he's, all, like, I don't know. He's already won a World Series now, so... I don't, I don't feel as bad for him, or uh, like I don't feel like I want him to win as bad anymore. Mm-hmm. But for the same reason as you, where if the Rays move on, I don't think it's as good a chance as the Yankees uh, against the Yankees as the Astros is. Tyler Glass now is going to start the game for Tampa Bay. Like, come on! Like, how do you? If, 
How can you bet on the Rays with that? Well, like, you got to have Charlie Morton in there at some point. It's going to be short rest. But, man, he's Mr. Postseason when Charlie it comes Morton's to Rays baseball. so good. And the fact that he's going up against the Astros, mm-hmm. I think that's an even. I, I love think that's it. a great storyline, too. Yeah. He won a World Series with them two years ago, and now he could be the reason that they don't go to the ALCS. Yep. After winning 105 games in the Despite regular season. Despite having Verlander, Cole, Zach Greinke, who would have thought that the most important piece you let go was Charlie Morton? If it does work out that the Rays can beat the Astros and Yankees to get to the World Series... That's as perfectly scripted as you could ask for, because I would love to see it. And then lose to the Nationals. Well, either way, I just want to see them beat those two just to prove to teams you can't buy a World Series. That'd be great. I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see it so bad. I I wonder if it's ever happened in Major League Baseball history. That the lowest paid team has won the World Series? Yeah. That'd be a fun thing to look up. Yeah. That'd be a good stat of the day. Mm -hmm. Here is my actual stat of the day, though, and it relates to what's going on in the AL playoffs. The Rays featured 149 different lineup combinations this year. They had a different starting nine for 149 games in a 162-game regular season. The Yankees, though, with as many injuries as they had, had 155 different starting lineup combinations in 162 games. And we could very well see those teams meet up in the ALCS. Yeah, and like you said, it's for a differing reasons. The Yankees mm-hmm. because of injuries. But the Rays, they're going to change baseball, man. Yeah, and they're they won cha- 96 games doing this. Yeah, they're changing baseball. Mm-hmm. Throwing stuff around, playing the matchups, using the analytics, throwing out Sergio Romo in some <laughs> cases, Ryan Stanek. Like, that's insane. I love it. And neither is even with the team anymore. I know. Like, they sold those guys at the trade deadline, and now they're winners of 96 games, one win away from the ALCS. Something about this team, man. I love it, though. I love it. I love anything that changes the sport for the better, makes it more entertaining. And who doesn't love seeing a reliever start a game? (laughs) Who doesn't love seeing a guy come in for two innings and then just pounding the strike zone, destroying the first six batters, and then just like, oh, nope, you're out. They're the lovable bandwagon story that we all are hopping on here. Mm Mm-hmm. I tell you what, let's take a timeout. Coming up, is there any name more attractive to an NFL team than Lincoln Riley? There might be one next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Here's your Sports Center update. Cody Parkey is back. Mm. The former Bears kicker is coming out of retirement and signing with the Tennessee Titans. How about that? Mm. Just when the Titans could get more confusing scrumptious i love it cody parkey is back the minnesota twins are bringing back slugger nelson cruz for the 2020 season picking up his 12 million dollar player option cruz who will be 40 years old next season led the twins with 41 home runs this year i like it yep i, I like too. it i'm happy I about it baseball is a better place with nelson cruz I, I i agree i'm not ready to see him go yet especially from the twins and finally the swivel chair was invented by president thomas jefferson did you know that? I did, actually. Did you really? Mm-hmm. How about that? He's so down with the revolutions, he invented the swivel chair. <laughs> I love it. I'm sitting in my swivel chair right now. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, TJ. I don't. Yeah, uh, I you, just get a basic chair. You've got the stationary throne there. <laughs> I could have gone with that. I could have gone the, with the uh, fact that it's Leif Erikson Day today. You know, the Spongebob It is actually Leif Erikson Day today. There's some weird holidays today. I shouldn't say weird. Unique holidays. 
Well, I mean, Leif Erickson Day, you've got Stop Bullying Day, so that's good. You know the quarterback for the Chapman Panthers right now? Okay. His name is Leif Erickson. Is it really? Yes. What a lucky guy. I know, right? Man, he, he better love his parents a little extra for that. <laughs> it is National Pro-Life Cupcake Day, whatever that means. Okay. Yeah, so... It that's a, that's that a whole him. amalgam of just <laughs> oddities. I like it. Uh, yeah, it's a good day for holidays today. There are a few that are coming up here that I'm excited to be able to touch on here. But I tell you what, is there any name that could be more attractive to an NFL team than Lincoln Riley for a head coaching vacancy? Nope. Michael doesn't think so. Nope. I think there might be a few. There's some maybes well, out there for me. So obviously, like if we talk Dabo Sweeney or whatever, like yeah, that's he's not. Be, yeah, but he, but he's not leaving. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. I don't think he's going anywhere. Lincoln Riley very well could be. I think he is on to the NFL this yep. year. I don't know where, though, because the only job that's open right now is the Redskins. Like, there's been at least one midseason coaching change every year since 2007. That's becoming the norm. But by the end of the year, there will be six, seven, eight teams. About a fourth of the league will be looking for a new head coach. You think Mike Tomlin's gone? That's what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. If Mike Tomlin's available... That might be the only guy more attractive than Lincoln Riley because I do think he will be gone as Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. I think it's about time. Yeah. But I even I I feel like I've said my opinion on Mike Tomlin before. Mike Tomlin for years has been a bad coach in my eyes. Really? Yeah. X's and O's wise. Yeah, X's and O's wise. But he's had the most talented roster in the NFL like six of the last seven years. I'd say last year the Rams had the most talented roster, but. I'd say for years prior to that, the best offensive line, star-studded wide receiver core, a Hall of Fame quarterback, a legitimate Pro Bowl MVP caliber at times running back, and a defense that had a good defensive line and had some key pieces in the secondary. Ike Taylor was big for a long time, Troy Polamalu back when he was there. So, like, they had all the keys. They had all the players in the right positions and whatnot, and still they could never get past the Patriots. I feel like he's a good schemer, but he can't control a locker room. Culture is not a strength for him. Oh, obviously. We, well, saw, yeah. that. we saw that last season. So, I don't know. I, like He's put up wins, and I think that that's kept him his job, but it's the same thing that I sort of have with Andy Reid. Yeah, he's won a Super Bowl, unlike Andy Reid. Or has he won a Super Bowl? Mike Tomlin has. Yeah, yes. okay, okay. So he's won a Super Bowl, but... I think that that was more based on the talent on that team rather than his coaching ability. Fair enough. I don't agree, but fair enough. But are there six, seven, eight qualified guys who could be NFL head coaches? Yeah, of course. There's a ton of guys that could be. Yeah. I don't even know if there were from this year's this year's <laughs> panel. Like, how many... Let's look realistically. Who's going to lose their job probably this season? Zach Taylor might. No, not after one year. So do you think Brian Flores is going to keep it then? Yeah, because they knew this was a tank job going into it. And they knew from the beginning that that was the guy they wanted. Steven Ross and the ownership knew they wanted this guy. For whatever reason, he was always the guy for them. I don't think they're going to let him go after this year. If the Chargers finish under five hundred, do you think Anthony Lynn loses his job? There's a strong possibility of that. Yeah. There is a possibility Anthony Lynn could be gone. Jason Garrett could be gone. He should be. He should be. But he might not be, is the thing. So I don't, I don't know about him. Dan Quinn probably should be, but Arthur Blank is supporting him for whatever reason. I'd support Dan Quinn, too. I think he's got a lot of talent. I just think, I, I honestly think something's up with Matt Ryan. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. He's not even using Julio Jones. Like, he's not, but he's putting up good numbers. Yeah, he is. But, he's but Dan sec- Quinn, I do think, is a qualified head coach. I mean, yo, he is. If he, he is. were to lose his job, he'd get a job somewhere I think else. He, I think he'd, more, he'd be more highly coveted to me than Mike Tomlin would. I think Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. 
<laughs> yeah, but look at them, man. I know, I know. He, they're, not gonna, they're not going to lose their job, man. As long as Cam Newton's out, pff, he's safe. Well, Carolina could be a possibility for a head coaching vacancy. I think the New York Giants job could be open, but I don't think it will be. No, I like Pat Shermer. I, I like Pat Shermer where he is right now. Plus, you have a young quarterback. You're going to want a quarterback, offensive-minded guy back mm-hmm. there, and Pat Shermer is exactly that. I think Minnesota could be open. If they don't make the playoffs, Mike yep. Zimmer very yep, well yep, could be yep, gone. Yep, yep. He'd be very highly coveted, too. I think he would be another guy who would get a job probably immediately if he wanted it. Do you think Urban Meyer has any chance of going anywhere? I don't think he wants to go to the NFL. I think he's going to take a college job. That's fair. He'll take a college job somewhere like USC. I like that. I think that's very likely what could (laughs) happen because Clay Hilton's not coming back there after this year, and I don't think Mm -hmm. Graham Harrell is ready. Urban Meyer to USC, I'd hate it. (laughs) You'd hate hate it. it. I like it, especially as a California guy just having him there. Too big of a rival. And it means that Michigan hopefully would... I mean, Jim Harbaugh might start seeing the light of day. Mm, that's the other thing. Jim Harbaugh, if he's not back at Michigan next year, could he go back to the NFL? I want to see it. I think he'd be highly coveted. I think he'd be better than going through the guys who failed as head coaches and they're good coordinators. Like Todd Bowles right now is one of the most highly talked about names mm-hmm. for a coaching job next year. I mean, why go back and do that? Why, I don't why, know. What about Todd Bowles like, didn't have success as a head coach, that's which what is I mean. why I'm confused. I'd rather, if, if I had my choice, I'd take Jim Harbaugh over Todd Bowles or Rex Ryan or any guy that you could keep putting in through the pipeline that continually fails as a head coach. One thing I will say is that Jim Harbaugh pretty much lost his job because of his arguments that he had with Jed York and Trent mm-hmm. Baalke, which is... I've heard a lot of stories, and people were saying, oh, he lost the locker room and whatnot. After doing a lot of research, because I love Jim Harbaugh, so I was like, why would you do this? After doing a lot of research, I found that only like two players really felt like he lost the locker room. Mm-hmm. But other than that, everybody still loved him. But it was the fact that Jim Harbaugh kept going to Trent Baalke and Jed York and saying... I want to draft these players. I want to draft these players. And they would just continually butt heads about who they wanted to pick in each year's draft, and which really just sent off the whole management thing. It really made Jim Harbaugh unhappy with like where the direction that it was going, and it led to his firing. So I wonder if that word of, yeah, he, but, he butted heads with us, if Jed York and Trent Baalke have gone around and been like, yeah, you know, he never really got along with us. He kept trying to do things his way and mm-hmm. never really, like, saw the bigger picture that we were trying to do. So I wonder if that word got around the NFL and now GM's owners are sort of staying away from him or if that would be the case if he were to lose his job at Michigan. If he were to do so, I would still take him before I would take Todd Bowles oh. or Steve Wilk or any of those guys who failed as head coaches. Well, I'd want Coach Jim. I feel like that's easy for us to say know, as, as non-owners and whatnot, but... Like I, I see the point of view, but at the same time, his record doesn't doesn't lie. Like, what can you say about three straight NFC Championship yeah. games? And even after the most nightmarish offseason that any team has witnessed in probably this century, mm-hmm. I can't think of a worse one. Maybe because of the, that's I'm a Niners fan or whatever. But losing Patrick Willis, lo- losing Chris Bourne, losing your other All Pro linebacker Navarro Bowman to injury, losing Alex Smith, losing Michael Crabtree, losing all these guys. And there was like a whole scandal that I can't remember. Losing Alden Smith, Justin Smith, yeah. those guys too. So after that, still went eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Still a five hundred team. Still in the thick of the playoff race through I want to say three quarters of the season. Mm-hmm. So how how can you not like I don't know? I just don't know how a team can look at that and go, yeah, he's not worth our our. The our resume's time. there. Yeah, from an NFL standpoint, the resume's there. He needs a team that like one has a decent locker room culture already. Mm-hmm. And two, has the pieces to succeed, I think. And then I think he just needs to sort of put them in place. So, the Atlanta Falcons? 
Well, let's let's do a scenario here. For argument's sake, let's say the vacant jobs at the end of the year are Washington, Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. I don't know if we want to throw in the Chargers, but out of that group, let's say for argument's sake, all those jobs are open. We can throw Dallas in there too. Okay. Which is the most coveted? Dallas. Think so? You're, it's the national spotlight, America's team. It's everything. And plus, you've got a rising, uh, a rising star quarterback who really has shown this year with Kellen Moore. But let's face it, if Jason Garrett gets, car- gets, gets cut, I think Kellen Moore is next in line for Dallas. He probably will be because you don't want to lose him. You don't want to spur yep. him and let him walk away because yep. of what he's done to elevate Dak Prescott. I just don't think he's ready. I don't but think if he, he wants it. I don't think you can I don't pass think he's him ready up. either. Yeah, but just with what he's been able to do with this OC. Remember how bad their offense was last year with mm-hmm. Scott Linehan? Yeah. That was embarrassing. And then Amari Cooper came and everything changed. Yada yada yada. But now it's not even Amari Cooper. Like when Michael Gallup has been healthy, he's been arguably the best receiver on that team. Ezekiel Elliott isn't even like a factor most of the time, it seems like anymore. Dak Prescott is really stepping up. Jason Witten is making catches. Mm-hmm. A broadcaster is making catches out there. I love it. Um, so what Kellen Moore's been able to do with that just porous offense has been great. So, yeah, you can't let him go. Are there guys that are like assistants right now? They're coordinators? Because at one point, the Redskins had LaFleur, they had McVay, and they had Shanahan, and they still said Jay Gruden is the guy. But who could be an assistant out there? Like, the name I keep hearing is Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, although they've struggled on offense the last couple of weeks. What do, you, what do I always say about Andy Reid, man? <laughs> whoever, is, whoever is underneath him will be a great head coach. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, think that that's a great, I think that that's a great hire. He's like the grandfather tree of coaching trees. Yeah, it's the best coaching tree of all time, whereas Bill Belichick's is the dying Christmas tree with the star <laughs> on top. The Charlie Brown tree. Yeah, exactly. You got Bill Belichick on top, and then everybody beneath it is just atrocious. I think, no joke, Matt Patricia might be the most successful Belichick coaching project. Oh, man, I can't think of another one. Because he's got Brian Flores out there. We know how that's going. Mm-hmm. Rabel played for him. Did he look coach underneath him for a little bit? He did. I think he, he did. did. Yeah. He did. Yeah, I think he did for a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess he... No way he didn't. They went 9-7, but he didn't get to the playoffs. That was Mike Malarkey still. Mm-hmm. No, Nobody. There is <laughs> nobody. They'll be 9-7 this year. Yeah. Whereas Anthony Lynn led the team to a 12-4 and season. Ron Rivera got to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. Sean McDermott led the Bills to... That's the best coaching staff. If you're going to take an assistant from anywhere... Buffalo Bills. They have the okay. best they have the best coaching staff in football. Think so? Yep. All right. What makes you say that? Cuz they're 4 and 1. The <laughs> who could <laughs> Who How many people do you think predicted the Bills to be this good? I don't know if they're good yet. They they held the they're the best defense in football. Maybe. They, they held the Patriots to 16. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe the Colts, because they held the Chiefs to 13. You know, their defensive coordinator, I don't have the name off the top of my head. He's a guy that could yeah. be very well sought yeah, They held the Chiefs to 13 without Darius Slayer, mm. or without Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker. I always say Darius Slay and Darius Leonard. I get them mixed up just because mm-hmm. Darius. But yeah, if you can hold the Chiefs to 13 without arguably your two best defensive players. Like, yeah, you lost to the Raiders, but come on. <laughs> How deep can you look into that? You know, and I was wondering what your thoughts would be on this because I pinned that loss on Andy Reid. I'm talking about the Sunday Night Football loss the Chiefs suffered to the Colts because without Darius Leonard, the Colts continued to play man defense, 
And Travis Kelsey should have had a field day. He should mm-hmm. have been a monster. He only had four catches. Why did he not get more targets? Well, I think he was getting double teamed. I mean, keep in mind that Demarcus Robinson is the number one passing option outside of Travis Kelsey. Demarcus Robinson ain't much. Miko mm-hmm. Hardman. Yeah. Sammy, like Sammy Watkins is playing a little hobbled too right now. So I think that they were willing to one-on-one with him and just hope that they could keep up. But Travis Kelsey, I think, was getting played over the top because you saw what happened with uh, the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions have been so, so good against tight ends this year. They've played Zach Ertz. They've played Travis Kelsey. They've played all these great tight ends. And still, somehow, against they, they've never done anything. Mm-hmm. Tight ends haven't. And I think a lot of teams have taken a look at that and gone, oh, that's how we do it. That's how you defend these guys. So before we get to the break, is the least coveted job the Washington Redskins? It's a terrible... Uh-uh. Because that just seems like a place where a coach is set up to fail. I said it the other day, no coach that's ever worked under Dan Snyder has left Washington with a winning record. And they've had some good ones. Mike Shanahan, Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've never had winning records during their time in Washington under Dan Snyder. If I'm Lincoln Riley... I'm turning down that job. I'd stay at Oklahoma. What happened to the whole idea of take like this? One you can say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but I love the fact that he was willing to take a team those own sixteen and really go for it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that Lincoln Riley, who is the coach, coached Baker Mayfield, would have that same sort of mentality. Take a team with that has not had a very good culture, has all this anti media against it just because of their name. And it takes Alex Smith, who comes back from injury and just dominates the NFC East. But the Browns are more stable at the top, something they haven't been for a long time. But under John Dorsey, they now have stability from the top down. The Redskins don't have that. So if I'm Lincoln Riley, I know I'm going to get a shot somewhere else in the NFL. If I stay at Oklahoma one more year, produce another Heisman, get back to the college football playoff, I think that's better than going to D.C. and being immediately put in a position to fail. Because that's what anyone would be doing by going to D.C. Lincoln Riley well, just shouldn't do that. You're going to say he's going to get put in the position to fail, but what, what does that mean even? Like, he, he goes 2-14 and 14 his first year? Mm-hmm. So, did Mike, so did Kyle Shanahan with the Niners, but they kept him because yeah, they knew that he was the right option. can a coach do that, go 2-14 and 14 and still become successful in the NFL? Well, Kyle Shanahan's on that path right now. If you know that he's the right guy, I think that you can sustain two or three bad seasons because you know that that's going to be the case. And once you tell, totally get steady, once you get the right pieces in place, that's when you start seeing success. And if you hire a guy like Lincoln Riley, you have to know that that's going to be the case. Yeah, but very few Kyle Shanahan's are out there. Very few people can do what he can do. If I'm Lincoln Riley, I know I'm going to get shots in the NFL beyond the so Washington So are you Red saying Spence. you don't think Lincoln Riley is Kyle Shanahan level? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that very rarely does it actually work out that way where a coach is put in a bad situation but then goes on to be one of the guys who innovates football, who changes the game. Very rarely does that happen. And if I'm Lincoln Riley, I just don't put myself in that position to begin with. You don't want that much pressure. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you're in a position where your ownership has proven that he takes good coaches and puts them in positions to fail. I don't want that. If I'm a young coach in my 30s, just starting my NFL career, I don't want to work for Dan Snyder. Uh, So you think Washington's the worst job out there? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. All right. Tell you what, let's take a timeout when we come back. An absolutely loaded running back class. 
We're going to redraft it next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of our show today, get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple App Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. Glad you're along this Wednesday afternoon. Don't forget, when we sign off, we'll get you out to Atlanta for Game 5 of the Cardinals-Braves NLDS series, and then we'll have the Nationals and Dodgers tonight here in ESPN-UP at 8.37. So I tell you what, before we get to our list, redrafting the absolutely loaded 2017 NFL running back class, Kevin Durant went on a New York radio station a few days ago and said that the Knicks, for whatever reason he felt the need to comment on the Knicks, are not getting quality free agents because they're not cool, because of their brand. Apparently the Nets have that brand. I wouldn't think of the Nets that way. But KD says that the Knicks are not cool. So before we get into redrafting the 2017 running back class, what makes a franchise cool in the NBA? Okay, when you told me we were going to be talking about this, I started thinking about it. Mm-hmm. What makes a franchise cool? I think it has to be it has to do with recent success, mm-hmm. legends yep. that stand up to it, and... Uh, media personality, like okay. how well you can build your brand, because we know that in this day and age, an athlete wants to have a brand on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So, I was thinking about it, and I was like, are the Golden State Warriors a cool team? Yeah. No. No. I don't think so. Okay. Who's their biggest personality? Draymond Green? Right now, it's probably Steph Curry. Steph, and he has no personality. Like Aisha, that is his personality. Aisha Curry is more has more of a personality than he does. It's he's their weird. biggest celeb. How about that? Yeah, he's their biggest celeb. But golly, I hear more stuff about Aisha Curry commenting on stuff than he does. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like so, and the only person I can really see is like a stepping out sort of on social media type of person is Draymond Green. All right, and even still, that's your third best player, your fourth best player when Kevin Durant was there, and he's your most vocal guy. That's like when Jonathan Sanchez was the most vocal pitcher on the Giants. <laughs> like, it just, it, it didn't help. It didn't mean anything because he just wasn't the top guy. Whereas a team like the Lakers, who has Kobe Bryant out mm-hmm. there, who has Shaquille O'Neal on e- e- TNT, ESPN, whatever, um, every single night yep. out there. So people get reminded of that. Like, even the fact that Charles Barkley is there makes the Suns, like, a little sure. more fun, a little more cool, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that the Warriors don't really have anybody like that. You know, when you right think of now. legends and they really don't have anybody from their past. Yeah, Rick Barry. Rick Barry. Yeah, how, <laughs> like, how many people are going into gyms and saying, oh, I'll be Rick Barry. I'm going to be the next Rick Barry. Yeah. I do when I shoot underhand free throws. <laughs> Other you, than that, do, I, I never Do you shoot really underhand free throws? No, I just practice it sometimes. Okay, gotcha. Why do you practice it if you don't do it? For fun. Okay. So I can be Rick Barry. There we go. If I had to think of cool franchises in the NBA, right now the Lakers and Celtics stand yep. above all the others. Let's see. Who would be some other cool franchise? Are I mean, the Pistons a cool franchise? No. Not with the bad boys? No. The old Ford? That, that's too far back. That's too far back. All right. Fair if enough. we're going to say the Knicks aren't a cool franchise, they've been, cool, they've been cooler in more recent memory than the Pistons have been. All right. Fair enough. How about the Bucks? Would they be a cool franchise? Nope. Not with Giannis? No. All right. Because Giannis isn't a personality. Giannis is such a nice guy that, like... Sometimes having no personality is a good thing. He's not... Yeah, like Kawhi Leonard. But Kawhi (laughs) is, like, such an anti-personality that it helps it. Okay. Right? All right. Fair enough. That's why I think the Clippers are a cool team right now, because they had big personalities. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and now Kawhi Leonard. That's three personalities, man. Well, now you think about it, 
Does what happened this summer with Paul George and Kawhi going to the Clippers kind of debunk what KD said? Because they wouldn't be a cool team. Well, you wouldn't think of them as a cool team before this summer. And well, they attracted those two. They had personalities. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. All three but of them were like... they had them recently. They have had them recently. Well, it depends. How, what do you define as recent? Well, when was the last time the Brooklyn Nets had a personality like that? Joe Johnson? That's what I mean, is I don't agree with what KD said. Well, I think if there's any... I don't any, think the Nets are a cool team. If there's any... Yeah, I don't, I don't either. So if there's any team that like doesn't fit what KD's saying it would be the Nets which is why mm-hmm. I think it's kind of weird that but New York itself is a cool place mm-hmm. Brooklyn I mean Jay-Z wrote a whole song about it so yeah. like it has a cool vibe to it and I can understand why players want to go there especially with all these diss tracks and side rap careers that NBA players are having right now I can understand why people want to go to Brooklyn so Phoenix, he said, with Charles Barkley, I mean, they're kind of cool I know, because I, of that. I don't think they're cool, but I'm saying that ups their cool factor. How about the Spurs? Nope. They have no personality. Mavericks? A little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Mark, Mark Cuban's on Shark Tank. That's How true. cool is that? That's true. Mark Cuban's got a personality. Mm-hmm. What is the least cool team, then, in the NBA? Utah Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> your, 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 your mascot is a brand of music. I don't even think they play that in Utah. I don't know if jazz is allowed in Utah. (laughs) Yeah. How many people go to gyms? We were just talking about this. How many people go to gyms and say, I'm I'm Carl Malone. I'm John Stockton. Despite them being great players, you never hear that because Mm -hmm. they had no personality. There is nobody on the jazz other than maybe Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert didn't have a personality. Donovan Mitchell... His personality revolved entirely around being called a spider and thinking he deserved Rookie of the Year more than Ben Simmons. But that's it. Are the 76ers cool? Yeah, okay. I would say the 76ers are cool. Okay, yeah, Embiid. Yeah, Embiid, Ben Simmons. uh, Jimmy Butler has a huge personality. Well, he's not there anymore. Yeah, but he he was recently (laughs) there enough to (laughs) the point where it helped. Oh, I think the Chicago Bulls are a really uncool franchise, too. Uncool? Really? Yeah, nobody wants to go there. Michael Jordan's too far in the past now at this point. I don't know about that. He was such a good player. I think he's still kind of timeless. At yeah, this but point. he's tied to another team now. Like, it, it, he hasn't it, made them cool. Yeah, he hasn't made them cool because he didn't play for them. But the fact that he hasn't stayed with the Bulls has sort of detracted his image with the Bulls from that. Are the Miami Heat cool? They've won a few titles lately. I think that they're cool enough to attract people. They attracted Jimmy Butler. They did. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler said he would never be a Miami Heat. But I think the city of Miami had a little more to do with that. How about Oklahoma City? Are they cool? No. No? They haven't done enough. No, there's not enough history there yet. Okay. All right. What about... And plus, now without Russell... uh, Okay, Houston. I I was wondering about Houston. Mm -hmm. Are they a cool team in your eyes? They're getting there. Right? They're starting to be. I don't think that they're there yet. Yeah, okay, fair enough. They're trending in the right direction. Yeah. What's an uncool team? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> Nor- well, like, what, what about... But New Pol- Orleans starting to get there. They're yeah. starting to trend in the right New direction. New Orleans starting to get there. They need... A, they, okay, like, Lonzo's there now. Mm-hmm. Just bring that personality. You'll be a cool team. Like well, Lonzo, Zion. Yeah. You've got quite a bit of guys that are going to start well, I'm upping just thinking that guys with, cool. I'm just thinking of guys with personality. Because you need people to talk about you. Is Toronto still cool? No. Nah. Without Kawhi? Yeah, true. No. <laughs> Kyle Lowry? <laughs> Come on, when has he done anything? Well, I tell you what, the 2017 NFL running back draft class was absolutely loaded when we look at it in hindsight. 
Because you look at how some of these guys translated to the NFL. Leonard Fournette was taken fourth overall. Christian McCaffrey, eighth. Dalvin Cook, 41st. Joe Mixon, 48th. Alvin Kamara, 67th. James Conner, 105th. Marlon Mack, 143rd. Aaron Jones, 182nd. Chris Carson, 249th. And Matt Breida went undrafted. There's somebody else that's missing there, too. Who's that? Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler! Went undrafted. Uh, How about that? Yeah. All right. So if we were redrafting this group, is Leonard Fournette still number one? No. Not for me, either. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, probably. Especially from a fantasy standpoint. It's not even close. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know he had the thir- he's having the third best fantasy start to a season ever for running uh, for anybody. Good, for I any have position him in two ever. leagues. I have him in the, the, the one of the league that you and I are in together. Mm-hmm. I have him, so you and I are very happy with him right now. <laughs> McCaffrey, the only one though, I think that could knock him off from being the first running back I'd take out of this group is Kamara. I think yep. that's his only. That's the only one. I think Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara could maybe go interchangeably one and two, mm-hmm. but I'd still pick McCaffrey one. They're the top two. And then who comes after them? Because you've got uh, Dalvin Cook, you've got Chris Carson, who's quietly really good every year. Con- controversial thing here. I think Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones. Yeah, he's been healthy. Mm-hmm. He's taking he's taken a load off mm-hmm. uh, of every single thing. Like they had no running backs for two weeks now. Mm-hmm. He has seven touch or six touchdowns in the last two weeks. Reigning NFC Player of the Week on offense. Yeah. Like he's he's so good, and like he never got the time of day. Showtime thirty three never got the time of day, and then as soon as he gets that chance, blows up onto the scene. I don't care how bad a blocker he is; he is not a good blocker. I don't care how apparently bad he is in the passing game; he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. But he is a good runner, and he consistently is near the top of the league in terms of yards per rush. And this is finally the year where we see it. There is a reason I had him on my uh, near the top of my board. I had him as a top fifteen pick in every single one of my fantasy drafts. And I told people that, and that was my biggest mistake, because then people took him. So I tell you what, it, you brought up a really good point, and that is the fact that he's healthy. He's a workhorse. He's an yep. Iron Man, which you can't get enough of at the running back position. Because and let's f- compare him to you know Dalvin yeah. Cook. On paper, which would you rather have? You know, if you Dalvin, guarantee health, yep. you take oh, yeah, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. But he's been so injury prone that you have the case for wanting to take Aaron Jones. And above it's the him. same thing with Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would rather, <clears throat> I would rather have J- uh, Aaron Jones than I would Leonard Fernando Dalvin Cook, really? which might sound kind of weird, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Because that consistency. I yeah. mean, he may not be as talented as those two, but he's consistently yeah, healthy. Except, and, he's and, and he's putting up stats. Yeah, I mean, he's same, not a bad player. Same with Chris Carson. Chris Carson was fourth in the league in rushing last mm-hmm. year. Nobody talks about it. I mean, he's not the sexy pick like a James Conner. And, you know, and he might be a bad example because he's been fairly healthy. He's dealt with injury a little bit. Dalvin Cook's a better example when talking <laughs> about injury. But, you know, he's quietly been consistent at a high level. Yeah. Are you talking about Chris Carson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very high level. Mm-hmm. Pro Bowler last year. Would you take James Conner ahead of Dalvin Cook? No. No. I think James Conner has benefited a lot from the best offensive line in the AFC. That's true. Uh, he was mentored by Le'Veon Bell. There were a lot of there were a lot of factors that went into that. And like, look at him this year. He's not like he and Joe Mixon aren't putting up exactly the best stats. Mixon would be toward the bottom of this list for me. I would put Austin Eckler near the top too. Well, if you want to put Eckler there too, yeah. we have to put Eckler here. <laughs> like he's so good. 
Eckler is so good, guys. You'll understand. He's about he, to lose his job as a starter. Yeah, which he shouldn't. He's gonna he's gonna fall to the Aaron Jones blunder, where it's you give the job to Jamal Williams or Ty Montgomery instead, despite the other guy putting up way better numbers. He'll be their starter again next year. Yeah, he should be. Because Melvin Gordon's not coming back. He should be anybody's starter. Anybody would be lucky to have Austin Eckler. He's the best pass catching. Ba- he okay. He's a top. Where would you put him in terms of pass catching backs? Pass behind catching behind back? McCaffrey, definitely. Yeah. No, yeah, he's definitely top. I he had fifteen. Top three. He had fifteen receptions last week. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah, out I, of the backfield. I know, right? He like the. Well, I don't know what it is with San Diego slash Los Angeles running backs. Danny Woodhead was a huge mm-hmm. guy too. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, he was one of those guys. Dalvin Cook is quietly becoming a pass catching back. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to see him play a full season. I know. I know. But he's got more catches this year than the Vikings' top two tight ends combined. How about that? Yeah. He's quietly becoming a pass-catching back, but he's not the conventional kind of guy. Yeah. But he's up there uh, in relation to Eckler. Some other guys on this list, though, Marlon Mack, Matt Breida. What about them? Where do they go? Because hmm. they've I, both been healthy and consistent, but do you take them over somebody who's... No, because they haven't had, like... You, you think of them and you're like, those are good backs, right? Mm-hmm. But every single one of these other guys, except maybe Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. has had either a 1,000-yard season or a Pro Bowl bid. Would you take Mixon last on this list? I think I would. I really like Joe Mixon. I know. I'm not saying I don't I like tra- him. I traded Mark Ingram for Joe Mixon in one mm. of my leagues. And I still think it's a good trade. <laughs> like, I am holding on to that. One, because I want it to work out. But two, because I like Joe Mixon so much. Mm-hmm. He's been so good the last two years. But now they got a quarterback coach or whatever. They're trying to make Andy Dalton something. You can't do that. So I really feel like if Joe Mixon was put in the right system. If Joe Mixon was in Seattle... He'd be as good or better than Chris Carson. I could buy that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt that, to be honest with you. I tell you what, though, you look at this list, it is just so loaded that we know we have a top two. After that, though, you can really go in any order and you wouldn't be wrong. Well, there are so many guys here. Like, you, you look at this. How many of these guys were picked in the top three rounds in fantasy this year? Probably all of them. All of them, except maybe Matt Breida? Maybe. And even Matt Breida, he was definitely like a guy that you, you, you're like, oh, take a flyer on him in the 7th or 8th round because mm-hmm. he's got so much upside. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler, I think, was worthy, of a third, uh, was worthy of a third round pick, but I knew that people wouldn't pick him until the 10th or 11th or whatever. Mm-hmm. I got him in every single one of my leagues, and I was so happy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, every single one of these guys was like, I mean, in just the, the league, that we're, you and I are in two leagues, but in our ABC 10 league, Every single one of these guys. Let's let's count all the guys that were taken in the first in the first two rounds. Okay. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, James Conner was round three, pick two. I have the board in my house hanging in my house, so <laughs> like I see this every day. Um, Marlon Mack was taken in the third round. Aaron Jones was taken in the fourth round. Chris Carson was taken in the fifth round. Every single one of these guys has been like a legitimate starter, which means they are a top twenty running back. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And they all came from the same draft class. Yeah. That's incredible. That 2017 draft class, as far as running backs go, was outstanding. That 2018 quarterback class, though, I'm still waiting for everybody to start apologizing me for saying that that was going to be a terrible quarterback class. I thought it was going to be really good. Everyone did. No one listened to me. Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold were my top two. I could have told you. I did tell you back then. Those guys are not NFL quarterbacks. They've now now proven to be the bottom (laughs) two, I guess. I tell you what, with that, we are out of time, man. Anything you want to plug before we head out to Atlanta? Well, 
we're starting to get some stuff going. We're hopefully going to have a feature package in the next couple weeks, probably by the end of the month, on mm. Philip Ballou. We're going to be trying to do a throwdown with Jonah Dowd, and it could be a really good one. I'm really excited to see the uh, to see it starting next week-ish. Jonah Dowd will be in the area this weekend. I'll mm-hmm. be calling his game It'll Friday be, night. He's going to be a joy to watch. He's been one of the best guys to call highlights for. I love, I love watching him. John Michael Hoefling of ABC10. I'm Tanner Hoops. Let's get you out to Atlanta for Game 5 of the NLDS. Signing off from ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen.